Hello everyone and welcome back to High School Not So Much a Musical. In part two of our conversation with Ms. Rosa, we will talk about her first person account of helping a failing business owner fix her financials and soar to greater heights. We'll get to that right after this. This is High School Not So Much a Musical, a podcast that takes you on a ride to the peaks and valleys of a high school journey. Here are your presenters, Nitin Jaladanti and Ayush Agarwal. Okay, so just to illustrate the level that I'm working at and the level of, of skills that are that are sort of lacking, um, you know, I worked once with a, a, a solopreneur in Africa, and um, and I was assigned, to, you know, to help her. And what she was doing was that she was purchasing agricultural produce in one county, and then she was reselling it in another county and making a profit because all the different areas have different things. So one has a lot of rice and one has a lot of palm oil and so forth. And um, she figured out that she could, if you, she took it from one place to the other, she could make a higher a profit because they don't have any of it in the next county. And so it was a really good business model because um, what I see a lot of is everybody selling the same thing and it's just becomes a price war. So it was rather creative what she was doing. And so, um, she was also, uh, she was giving a farmer some seeds to grow some specialty products for her. And then um, he would grow it and then she would just take the, the take it back after it was grown and then she, she would pay a fee. And it was a good business because, you know, her sales numbers were pretty impressive. They were growing quickly. Um, she's always asking them, her clients, what they wanted. She delivered for them. She never had a problem finding new customers and she always sold out her inventories. So her problem was she kept saying to me, I don't have any money and I don't understand why. So I started to dig into this and this is very typical. Um, I have to start asking questions about, you know, what about this, what about that? And I, at first I couldn't figure it out. And then I, I discovered what I see uh, all the time she had failed to account for some of her expenses and this is what i see and so she didn't account for the seeds she was giving to the farmer to grow the cost of those and also the petrol and the transportation back and forth all, to all these places she was going so i had to break the news to her that she was actually losing money once i plugged those numbers in for her and then you know that explained why she was you know what what was going on and so we had to figure out what was she supposed to do about that she had to either you know she had to raise her prices for one thing and then you know taught her how to account for everything how to keep track of all her expenses as well as her sales so she knows whether she's in the black or in the red so that was just, that's just an example but it's very typical of what i see yeah, thank you for that. It really like gives us an insight on like, like it, it's a really great example. So we can see actually what it is that you're doing. And like one of the questions I have for you is that like, let's say we were taking an example of like you were helping out like a small restaurant. Um, like, so how would the entire like program or course work? Like, would you be like doing one-on-one -on -one meetings with um, like, would it just be like the head of the restaurant or would it be like with the entire team? Because I feel like a business wouldn't be successful unless everyone was like sort of on board and knew what they were talking or doing. Yeah. So it, it, to some degree, it depends on the program that the organization wants me to do. 
Um, but usually it's just, it's usually just one or two people from the organization only because they don't usually have a lot of employees anyway. However, I do welcome their involvement of others in the organization. And usually it's like a weekly um, coaching. So I have them send me some information, you know, and then we have sessions and we talk about where their problems are and we get to the bottom of, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you selling or why, you know, where are your clients or, or whatever it is. So it's a lot of, um, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, usually with the business owner and perhaps with, with one other person. And, you know, I have them send me information and then I give them an assignment, you know. Um, you know, I may create a, a spreadsheet for them and tell them to, to, to fill in all the, the stuff they bought that, that week. You know, what um, raw materials they bought and then have them look at, um, you know, what they sold and then have them look at, well, did you make any money this week or not? Or I may have them, you know, where, what other markets can we open up for you locally? Um, so it's very much around whatever their, their business issue is. Yeah, I think that gives us a good understanding of, you know, why, like how the course works exactly and how it really uplifts and empowers uh, entrepreneurs in emerging economies. Uh, and I like what you said there about like creating a spreadsheet because um, organizations, both management structure and how tasks are allocated are obviously very, very important in a business. Uh, for the podcast specifically, uh, what we recently did was we created like a giant spreadsheet with all our episodes and the status on every single episode. So that way we were much more er organized in terms of um, having a good understanding of you know, which episodes need work on, which episodes have already been uploaded, etc. And that just made us a lot more organized overall. So if you could talk a little bit about the importance of organization in both the business and just like everyday life uh, and how like E4 helps those uh, entrepreneurs in emerging economies get organized, like uh, take the ideas that these entrepreneurs have brainstormed and kind of really distill them down set up like an organizational structure, et cetera. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they already have a business or a small business, um, but it's almost never organized. Uh, and again, it depends on what, what level of their business they're, they're at. So one of the first things I do to help them organize is to first figure out, are they making money or not? Because like I said, a lot of times they just don't even know. And they often mix their personal and their business finances together. And so I, I, I often develop a special spreadsheet just for their business. For example, I had, um, I had one a, a, a young woman who was um, doing a catering business. So she was making sandwiches and things in her home, and then she would deliver it out to offices and, and so forth. And so she needed a special um, uh, spreadsheet where she could see all the cost of her raw materials in there and then we figured out which of those sandwiches were making more money and which was were not because she just kind of priced it off the top of her head <laughs> and so we were able to say look this one has is more you know this one is more evaluated you can add an extra dollar you can charge an extra dollar for that one or or, or whatever and so you know her it helped her with her you know pricing properly 
And so once we got that organized, we started to go then to um, to her other costs. So this was during COVID. So it was a really hard time for her and for everyone else I was working with. And so um, she was having problems with, you know, delivery and not wanting to come in contact with people. She was having problems with um, not being able to keep up with the demand because she was just one person. So we, we sorted through all of that and we, we determined that she could hire someone part-time to do all the prep work for her, to cut the onions, to cut, you know, to, to do the preparation for a couple of hours. And she had enough money to do that. And I said, you know, you're to focus on the things where you're adding value. Don't, and then if there's something that someone else can do very, is just as easily as you, let's, you know, let's hire someone else to, to do that. And, you know, the labor costs were, were low uh, where she was. And so we got her to a point where she was now making money. She was, she had this other person, you know, helping her that enabled her. And she also hired someone to do the deliveries. And so that allowed her to focus on what's going on with my business. How can I grow it? Um, and so it's just a matter of just slicing everything up <laughs> and saying, okay, we're going to attack this thing and then we're going to attack that problem. And then, um, and then it all comes together. And at that point they can just, they can pretty much take it from there. You know, once I get them set up in a way that, um, you know, that they can move forward. Yeah, like you sort of touched upon the question I was going to ask next, right at the end there. Um, but before I get to that, like uh, one more thing on like organization is that I feel like also teenagers could benefit like if they're really organized because you know a lot of a lot of us nowadays we're trying to do so many things. Like if you're not organized, you're gonna, really going to develop a lot of stress. You know, you might start missing like your homework assignments, like you're not turning them in on time. But like the question I have for you is that. Um, like, have you seen um, any results from like the companies that you've worked with, like any good results from the companies that you've worked with? Like, like, or could you give us like an example of like a company that like you thought, you know, was really like down bad. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't at their greatest. They weren't really organized, but then after like your coaching, they were able to like become successful. Yeah, I have, I had one where, uh, again, this was in the middle of COVID and, um, they had all the problems that I was that I was talking about, and um, it was a, a young couple. They they were about to get married, and this was their only source of income, and they were having all kinds of su supply problems and things, and it was their their this was their last hope. Like I was their only hope to get them any any sort of money to live on. I mean that's how that's how dire it was, and so we worked through, you know one problem you know the next problem this you know the supply issues were huge during during COVID, still are um and we figured out how to develop for example a different product where she could use other local local surprise supplies to just get her some some cash flow and she got the business up and running and it's doing really well now and she sells out all the time she you know it, a lot of it has to do with cash flow. Like you, you can't buy more more raw materials until you have the cash from the sales from the other thing, from what you sold. Um, so that's a that, that's a big constraint. Um, and you know these these businesses don't have access to finance in most cases. You know the, at, again at the level that I'm working at, they don't qualify for loans because for a loan you need to have collateral. 
they don't have any collateral. If they had the collateral, they wouldn't need the loan. So they have to bootstrap it. And so they have to, you know, they need a little bit of a startup money and they have to just grow very slowly. Um, but they, these, this couple now is, is now, you know, able to make a living. They moved into a larger place. They bought some equipment and, and they're up and running. I think, you know, the, the growth is slow just because, you know, they need, they need a, they're sort of constrained by how much equipment and things that they could buy. But I think they'll get to a point where they'll be able to buy larger equipment, make larger batches. And I think they'll be uh, on their way. They did. This particular um, business was very good at marketing. Like they, the, the, the guy had a real marketing flair. And so I think that that helped a lot too, is to, to make the, their business. So I'm not, I'm not working with businesses that are going to, have huge impact and, and this is the problem in the uh, development industry they they want to work with those upper tier ones that are going to create a lot of jobs and have impact and you know they have this many you know they're they've got metrics that they have to meet um but to me if 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 a business owner makes a decent living they can buy their necessities they can maybe pay the school fees for their kids and feed their families they're happy you know and if they make enough money to do that, that's a success. Yeah, I definitely agree because like just getting people off their feet is like, it's even like with the business is just a really easy way to get off your feet, but maintaining it is sort of like the hard part because you can get into and start a business very easily, but it's all about maintaining and ma keeping those connections. That's really difficult. Yeah. So my next question has to do with how exactly did you I mean, there's obviously a language barrier when you're going to these foreign countries. So how exactly did you, were you able to like in, educate these people who may not speak English? Was there like a translator in some cases? And if they did have any questions and maybe like there's some words that couldn't be translated, how exactly did you get that like feeling and emotion through your work to them? Yeah, um, in most cases, um, I, I work in countries that speak English. But there were some cases, let's say in rural Africa, where they speak a local language and that has to be translated. And I remember one assignment in Kenya where the woman who was heading this, this um, community group that I was working with, she spoke English. But I told her that I wanted to work with the women in the, in the community, in the group, not just her. And so we would have these sessions once a week and she would have to translate everything. Like I would, I would ask them for their input, um, and and she translated everything. And when she was translating, you know, I would say like a few sentences, and she would go off for ten minutes. And I would say to her, "What are you telling?" Them? All I said was, you know, three sentences. And she said, "I had to explain to them the concepts that you're talking about because they don't they don't understand." you know some of the and i wasn't using complicated business terms but she but they didn't know like they were they were you know illiterate so she had to explain everything and so the translation uh, took a long time and i just had to trust that, they, that she was translating it properly but those women um they appreciated for the first time that someone came to them and asked them what they wanted to do rather than me telling them you know go do this go do that you know they were you know they had a small business and we, we had some ideas about how they can grow their business and develop recipes and you know ideas that they came up with and so you know there 
you know, you can always do translation. It just takes a little longer. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically the conclusion of our podcast. We really enjoyed hearing about, you know, your unique experiences in emerging economies because we've had a lot of other people centered around business on this podcast, but they've all primarily been, you know, either uh, the United States or Canada or some other developed economy. Uh, I think we talked to one guy in Germany, uh, but uh, hearing about it from an emerging economy's perspective uh, was really unique and interesting. So uh, for one final question, which we ask to every person who comes on our podcast, could you just give some tips to high schoolers about, you know, it could be business, entrepreneurship, if a high schooler is interested, um, if a high schooler is interested in, for example, social impact and entrepreneurship for social impact, like what tips would you give to these future entrepreneurs? Um, an entrepreneur in the U.S. or elsewhere? Uh, an entrepreneur in the U.S., somebody who's, you know, currently in high school in the United States. Okay. I would, my, the first thing is find a cause. You know, what do you care about? There's a million things, you know, is it, the, is it the ecology? Is it, you know, animal rights? Is it, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you really want to help? I mean, there's so many things in this world that need help. So, so find that one topic and you can always build a social enterprise around whatever that is. And you don't even have to be in that other country or, 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 or whatever. You can always give a portion as a social enterprise, always give a portion of your your profits to some cause. That's like the easiest thing to do. Um, the next level would be to, let's say, um, use um, materials or, or things from made by people who you want to help. So you're buying something from them and selling, let's say it's crafts or something. So there's different levels of, of social um, entrepreneurship I would say the most important thing is to to find something that you really care about and then um, you know do a little research as to what you need to do a lot of research as to you know how, how are these people being served what do they really need and you want to like we like mentioned earlier you want to enable them and help them and not just give them stuff okay thank you so much for all of your all of your feedback and advice for our listeners i think that is definitely going to be something that i can apply because I, i've started my own business and something that i think that a lot of high schoolers have the idea to start a business they simply just don't know where to start and how to take that first step so for any young entrepreneur listening out there please take miss rosa's advice and thank you so much for coming on our podcast miss rosa and thank you so much to our listeners for listening and we'll see you next time um can i give my website yep definitely yeah. So if anyone wants more information about this, um, I have two websites. One is e4enterprises.com. And there you can see a video or, you know, get more information about this. Some of that is applicable to anyone in any country. Um, if you want to find out more about me, um, I have another website, donnaandrosa.com. You can read about my adventures in other countries. And uh, please do also um, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell, tell me that you, you heard me here. And I'll be happy to connect with you. Thanks. Yep, make sure you do that, guys. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Now roll the credits. High School Not So Much a Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal, Nitin Jaladanki, and Rishi Sinha. Narration by Samhit Padala. 
music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.